Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by the Rod Babers, former Longhorn, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Uh, hey, Rod, uh, you and I have been talking about what we want to, you know, discuss today a little bit. And what we came up with was this, addressing needs in a recruiting class and yep. just how important that is. You know, Texas could could sign, and Steve Sarkeesian would say this, Texas could sign 30 kids, but the question is whether or not they address the team's needs. Uh, and and it feels like that's what Texas and, and Steve Sarkeesian have done in this recruiting class. It's it's the piece of finding a quarterback, right, to be a segue after Arch Manning, potentially. And, and K.J. Lace is in there as well for the, the time after that. Then you have guys like Daniel Cruz. You, you know they need a young center. Yep. You're finding that young center. You know they need running backs because uh, they got to get some, some some guys in the, in the, in the system, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding a Ty Anthony Smith at the very end. What, what do you think they just they do a really good job overall of finding what they need to kind of plug and play, not just in the portal, but it seems like they have a really nice plan overall. Yep. I mean, that's the that's what, what roster construction is, the science of it, right? You have to look at the short term and then the long term. All right. So do you have uh, the uh, position addressed in the immediacy? Do you have it addressed right now? But what about in two, three years? Uh, do you st- are you still addressing it? They d- I think they're doing that with tight end a little bit. That's why they, 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 they grabbed the tight end out of this class. They're thinking, hey, if JT leaves, yeah, we still got Gunnar Helm, but we got to start thinking about the future of this position. And so there's some developmental projects in there. You talked about Daniel Cruz, one of my favorite uh, prospects in there too. But you can tell they're very, very detailed when it comes to roster construction. They really are. Uh, and when they have an overwhelming concern, that's kind of what we're talking about right now, uh, you know, defensive back, right? You got a lot of DBs leaving, wide receiver, a lot of wide receivers leaving. You can see them try to address those needs uh, with numbers in the recruiting game because that's where they, they want to build organically, more homegrown and supplement through the portal. But even Sark hinted that, it, you know, because of the exodus at wide receiver for them potentially, he started out one of the press conferences saying, yeah, we ain't done at wide receiver, by the way. He wants y'all to know before y'all start uh, criticizing his roster construction. <laughs> hey, we ain't done at wide receiver. So, you know, I, I think you're right about that, Bobby, man. They they do a really good job of looking at the short term and the long term. That's what you got to do in roster construction in, in, in college. Yeah, I, I agree with that. that. That's a better way to put it. it. You're addressing needs on multiple levels. Exactly. Right. It's not just any one way to skin a cat. There's multiple ways to do it. And you have to do that in order to really uh, push the push the envelope, I think, uh, at this point. Um, all right. Uh, keep going here a little bit. And this this is the one that I want to talk about. There were two major needs coming into this campaign, in my opinion, that they absolutely had to address on the high school level. They had to get more young DBs in the mm-hmm. in the in the in the in the. Uh, yeah. Uh, old, and they needed to get more defensive linemen, not just on the interior, but across the board. And they needed more impact players, uh, particularly at edge. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we've been talking about them getting the quarterback, for example. You thought that this was and I do believe that it may be the best defensive back class in the country. At three, possibly four top 100 guys of the five uh, wow. that are committed to the Longhorns. Uh, I'm going to let you take it um, and go from there with it. But you are in love with this DB class. You told me that personally. Explain to people why you like some of these guys. But but as much as that, why it all fits together for what Steve Sarkeesian is trying to do. 
Exactly. And, and, and Sark told us, right? By the way, Sark's been very open and, and upfront about this, but I think Longhorn fans have seen it this year, right? Sark wants to play tighter coverage. He's talked about that. He's even said he wants to play more press coverage, tighter press coverage on the outside. And he's even in a recent press conference, he remarked, we got to recruit uh, the type of athletes to, pay, to play the style of a defense that they want to play. And I think basically what he means is high level athletes that can play man coverage. And Sark is basically, and I love, this is why I love it. He's reiterated, confirmed everything that I thought in terms of the talent evaluation overall and what they're prioritizing at defensive back. I said they got, they're prioritizing coverage. You can already tell all the film I watch on these DBs in this class, they can all cover. All right. There's not a guy that's like, man, you know what? You got to teach him and you can develop his coverage skills. They're not doing that. You, you, you recruit what you cannot coach and what you cannot develop. You can, and I think now this is a group this is a coaching staff that's done a great job in development. And I think even they have figured out what I have long known. You can't coach coverage. You can't develop it. It's t- really tough to do that. They got some really good athletes in that secondary. Keaton Crawford was a good, good football player. Jaron Thompson. Taft daddy, though even Ryan Watts, I would say to a certain extent, he's a good football player. They're liabilities at times in coverage because they're not coverage specialists. Nothing wrong with that. They can get better at it, but they're not natural coverage specialists. And Sark said it, by the way, I'll get his quote because I wanted to make sure I got it. He said, all six, all the six DBs in this class have good size, they have good length, and are good tacklers. But he said, they all have the ability to play coverage play man coverage specifically is what he said and he said whether they end up at safety whether they end up at corner whether they end up at the star they can all play man coverage because that's what texas is being exposed right now and in fact the washington game that's what we're all concerned about because your best coverage safety is who a freshman because you can't coach or develop coverage he he walked in as the best coverage safety and he's going to be out for the first half of that Washington game but that's a different issue altogether so I love they're prioritizing that and Sark even said it something else they're prioritizing I went back and watched the two two minute it's a two minute 16 second clip I believe <laughs> went back and measured it of Sark talking about the DVs at the end of the press conference where he's like you know summing up all the all the positions Bobby he used the term versatile I believe he, he threw it out there six times in a, in a two-minute clip, two-minute audio clip. He used versatile, the term. Yeah, he did six times. I, and I even, mark, I even wrote it down about every player. He used it twice for Kobe Black. All right? He used it uh, once for Jordan Johnson Rubel. He used it for Santana Wilson. He used it uh, twice for him as well. I mean, he just he used versatile a lot. And, by the way, in addition to using versatile – all right, that many times he also used um p- position flex. He used that term with Jordan Johnson Rubel, and he used the term um three position player with Kobe Black. Kobe Black was on social media telling people, I'm a corner, I'm playing corner. That's what I am. I ain't no safety, I'm not a DB. What did Sark just tell y'all? Sark said he's a three position player. Don't listen to him. All right, listen to me. <laughs> I with this guy as a three-position player. He can play nickel. He can play corner. He can play safety. All right? He can play any other position. Versatility is also something that they're recruiting now. They can't coach it. And I think in part of versatility, high football IQ comes with that. You can't be moving around the chessboard and playing different positions if you don't have high football IQ. You got to absorb a lot of different responsibilities, roles, and duties at, at that at that position, whatever it may be. You can't be some dumb football player. So that also promotes high football IQ. I think that's another thing that they're evaluating. But in terms of versatility, this is why versatility is important. 
because Texas right now, their defensive secondary is way too rigid. It's too rigid, right? Because Ryan Watts can only play the boundary. Oh, he can only play the boundary. They don't like Jade Barron to travel. He's a he's only on the field most of the time. They don't want their nickels to travel. Um, hell, your your uh, your safeties, whether it be Jaron Thompson or Taft Daddy or, or Keaton Crawford, they're being isolated. Their team's hunting mass up matchups on your safeties right now. That's why they're going formation in the boundary, which can isolate your safeties in the boundary. Uh, uh, Oklahoma State did it a lot, and Brendan Presley was eaten out there, right, in that slot against those safeties. Um, there's also the three-by-one sets. Texas will face those. Trips to one side, uh, one receiver to the other side. You isolate that safety usually on that third receiver, that number three wide receiver, and you can go to town. Because usually that guy is not a cover specialist for Texas. Texas is tired of that. Now that guy will be a, a Derek Williams or a Xavier Phil Samit, right? When they try to isolate those guys, and they'll be coverage specialists. And so I think Texas is recognizing in PK's defense, structurally, all right, uh, schematically, there are flaws and weaknesses. We can address those with the personnel that we put out there. And they know if we get cover specialists across the board, we can teach open field tackling. We can teach angles to the football. We'll teach leverage. We'll teach all those things. Um, and this is not a new concept, by the way. Before I break down the players' individual a little bit, this is not new. Coach Akina did this. Coach Dwayne Akina did the same thing when he came in. In 2001, They Mike, Mike Brown tasked Coach Akina, one of the best DB coaches in the history of college football, in my opinion, Hey, I need you to figure out how to defend the air raid because it's whipping us right now. We just lost Oklahoma. We got whipped. They won a national title run the damn air raid. You need to figure it out. Figure out Mike Leach's air raid. He's in Texas Tech now, too, and it's spreading like wildfire across the Big 12. And Coach Akina had a simple solution. It was brilliantly. It was a brilliant simple solution. All right. Um, he just decided, I need coverage specials across the board. I don't need any coverage liability on the field. So if you can cover you already have an advantage in the competition if you can just cover. And it separated everybody in that secondary. And then what happened was I ended up being a starting corner. Quentin Jammer ended up being a starting corner. Nathan Basher and Ahmad Brooks, two cornerbacks, ended up being our starting safeties because <laughs> they were really good open field tacklers and they had really good high football IQ. And we're almost going back to that now. It's, and that was a reinvention of DBU. The, the Coach Akina called the five-tool DB. They can do everything. And then he recruited guys like that, the Michael Huffs and the Michael Griffins and your, you know, your Earl Thomas. And it went, went on and on. Um, and I think now we're getting back to that. I think he wants versatility at the defensive back position where you have more malle malleability uh, as, a, as, a, as a defensive back where you can't isolate and hunt matchups and you have fewer matchup advantages or you're at fewer matchup disadvantages when you have players who are malleable in their skill sets and who are hybrids. So I think that's where they're going. But about the players individually, just real quick, Kobe Black, coverage specialist. He can be a lockdown corner. I think he's going to be the boundary corner. I think he's already said that when he talked to us. They envision him as being the next Ryan Watts. Uh, Xavier feels to me. I love what Sark said. The first three things Sark said about him. Playmaker, born to be a DB, and then coverage. <laughs> coverage, really. Those are the top three things he said. Playmaker. And I love that because I even wrote down on my notes. Remember I talk about guys being either a ball hawk, a technician, or a disruptor. I had him as a disruptor and a ball hawk. And I think he, I think that's kind of what Sark's talking about too. And he can cover. He can he can cover. There's no doubt about it. That's a guy that may check all those boxes for me. Uh, Jordan Johnson-Rubel, I loved actually. I found that he was a captain uh, for IMG. I thought it's amazing. And, and Sark even talked about that leadership ability. He's a natural leader, but he also brought up position flex. He's a safety that projects as a nickel as well. Uh, Wardell Mack, I think he's a field corner ideally, but I believe he has the skills to play nickel if you need him to. 
Uh, and Sark also said he was versatile. <laughs> Santana Wilson, uh, high football IQ. I love old souls. Old souls are guys who grow up uh, in a household with a professional athlete or an athlete that played, you know, ball at the at the college level at a really high level. They get it. They they know you know the level of commitment it takes. They understand you know the uh, the mindset that you have to have, the mental toughness. They get it. You don't have to teach it. You like that when you get bring a guy like Santana Wilson in. He talked about genetics. Also said he was he was very close to saying he could play corner and safety. He was go back and watch it. He was on the verge of it. Didn't stop themselves. I think that Santana might not like that. So I think he wants he wants to be a corner, but he was on the verge of saying it because I think he knows all these guys potentially. They could end up at safety. They can end up at corner or nickel. That also manufactures depth for you, too. If you're not so rigid, when guys can hurt you, go, well, I was moving that. We'll move you from corner to, to nickel. We'll move you from safety to nickel, whatever it may be. So that's what I love about this DB group, man. Versatility, coverage ability, and they got speed. All three things needed an upgrade. And you, based on the eye test this year, all three of those things need an upgrade. You got it in this class. They recruited it. You mentioned this, uh, the versatility and how it can pay off. Jade Barron moving to corner at the very end of the Houston game. Boom. I mean, if if they if they could have two or three guys that can do that at a high level, that just it 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 allows you to be not just more versatile, but but stronger. Yeah. When you're when you're down a man or two, right? I mean that that's that's, point, that's part way. of it also. Yeah. And I I feel like Texas. Look, I, I said it right at the start here. I feel like it's the best defensive back group in the country. Um, and I feel like two of them decommitted from Florida. One, Black could have went anywhere in the country as well. Santana Wilson, you mentioned him. They got him early. Jordan Johnson Rebell out of IMG. Then you add Andrew McCuba, Rod, and you get the experience. <laughs> right. And you're adding the experience on top of the young guys. Look, I don't know. You don't want to necessarily play two or three freshman defensive backs. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. No. Right. You, you yeah. don't. That's not ideal. Right. Even though Texas at time this year was doing it. Manny Muhammad. As and well as Derek Williams simultaneously, yeah. right? So it, it can be done, uh, but you want to kind of – you don't want to force feed it. You want to do a little bit like what they did with Muhammad and with Williams. They gave them enough reps that by the end of the year, they were up to speed, right? Yep. And now Agreed. next year looks like it's going to be their, you know, breakout year kind of deal. Um, so I, I just feel like you're right. I feel like they're definitely more coverage guys than what we've seen. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's going to be huge. All right. The other position that I thought they did extremely well with Rod was defensive line. And 
we went into this year knowing that Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins and uh, uh, Tavondre Sweat, all of them could go pro. Uh, Murphy likely, or Murphy is going pro. We think Collins is as well. And Sweat wins the outland. <laughs> you know, give me a break. We didn't, we didn't predict that. I can yeah. tell you that. <laughs> but but my, my point is, we knew they had three going, right, mm-hmm. possibly. And we knew that they had to get the interior. Well, DeAndre Robinson was a big lick from – got him basically away from Florida, had Alabama, Georgia, all those offers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Alex January, they only offered one defensive tackle in the state of Texas. Wow. And it was Alex January. Um, and 6'5", 320, his dad, Mike, played at Texas. All of those things we talked about. Uh, and I think that he has that chance. You mentioned the term old soul. I love that. Yeah. Right. Because it's exactly what you talked about. They know Arch Manning knows how mm-hmm. hard it is to be a professional quarterback. Yep. Because he's seen his uncles do it and struggle. You know, yep. my <laughs> and, and they and they understand you have to be coachable. Well, Alex January knows he has to be coachable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. I think he's probably the most ready of all the defensive tackles to come in and play early uh, just because of that. I, I think that's really a piece of it. And then you have a guy, Melvin Hills, uh, out of Lafayette that they had in camp and wanted. That You know you know as well as I do. Coach yeah. sees you work out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they like you. I'll never, I'll never forget uh, this a little bit after your time. There were two guys that Texas brought in playing the same position. Tim Crowder and Justin Warren, both from Tyler. One from Tyler, mm-hmm. John Tyler at the time, and another from Tyler Lee. Well, Justin Warren was the higher-ranked player. After after Mac had him at camp and, and Oscar Giles had him at camp, they were all about Tim Crowder. Nah. <laughs> and Tim Crowder played in the NFL. Justin Warren played a little bit at A&M. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? I guess. When, when, when you get them in front of you, sometimes coaches make decisions like that. I'm not saying that's the future of Melvin Hills. I'm just saying mm-hmm. – you have to trust that, especially when a guy like Bo Davis, who knows what he's looking for and seen it and developed it, yep. has it. The That's piece, the though, that that will be the uh, real, you know, top of the class, obviously, is the edge with Colin Simmons. Uh, you know, he is just a terrific all-around uh, pass rusher. Yes, he's got work to do in the weight room and all this other stuff, but – he still can rush the passer and yep. be that disruptor. And uh, we, I go back to Anthony Hill this year, you know, and what he did against Alabama and then carried it on. And just like, man, they did a good job this year of, of, you know, getting those young guys time so that as the year wore on, they weren't really freshmen anymore. We mentioned Eric Williams. We mentioned uh, a guy like uh, uh, Manny Muhammad. They did the same thing with, Anthony Hills. I hope they do the same thing with Colin Simmons, right? It's this, you just continue to get him a little reps, little reps, little reps, more practice, more practice, kind of force feed it. Uh, He's a midterm enrollee, by the way. Uh, No. So, yes. So I think all five of these guys uh, are four (laughs) four or five are are midterm enrollees. So that's, that's good. Zena Umiozulu is the other one. Um, And I'll, I'll never forget. I was talking to a guy, um, that, uh, you know, I was talking to someone uh, inside the building there and Zena was one of the best looking guys they had in all year. Wow. Just said, you know, he's what you, 
if you're if you're saying who's going to look the best four years from now, if they do everything they're supposed to do, Zena would be one of those guys. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. And a lot of people are saying, well, he he's not really, you know, he didn't play defensive end that much. He played middle linebacker this year. Six Did four. He really? Yes, six four and change. Played middle linebacker. What? Yes. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's my point, though. So I feel like I feel like Texas has a sense and 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 addressed that need. That's that's the important thing to me. And they did it in a way with a a top end edge rusher. We know they needed an edge rusher, a disruptor, and then I think they got the depth at defensive tackle with quality that they needed to kind of keep that hamster hamster wheel running. Right. Mm-hmm. And keeping yeah. the guys coming in. Um, all right. Uh, those are the two two positions we think they did the best at. Honorable mention for me. You get an honorable mention and I get an I'll honorable mention. I'll take it. I'm, I'm taking running back. Mm, that's good. The charge choice that's pushed good. on two guys. He pushed on two guys, Christian Clark and Jarrett Gibson. Okay. Um, you talk about effusive in his press conference. You yeah. think maybe maybe Steve Sarkeesian was a little effusive in his praise of Christian Clark? Yeah. Bijan Robinson. So yeah, I'll say was, was comparison. I'll give I'll give you credit. You you've been you've been saying that it was one of your fave your faves for months now. And then I hear Sark say Bijan Robinson was the note that he wrote down when he watched film on Christian Clark. And I went, holy Chicago. That's a bold statement, <laughs> dude. Like he's not right. Talk about for me tempering expectations. He throw the, throw the Bijan thing out there. Yeah. And then That's Jared fun. Gibson. Jared Gibson, I saw in person, and I really just liked. I liked his mental, his run mentality. He's cut, um, man. Yeah. He's yes. built. Well, we talked to Fozzie Wiz- Whitaker on Thursday morning, right? And he said he used the term for both of those guys: contact balance. I like it. Yeah. And and I and I I think part of that is just general toughness. Who's your who who what position was your honorable I'm gonna, mention? I'm gonna go O line, man. I you know I love what they did on the O line. I like Daniel Cruz. He got a special nasty streak in him. Um, I mean, he finishes blocks. I love a guy that go finish a block. Uh, he, he's got high football IQ. Played every position online. Actually played center. I think his last year uh, there in high school as a senior, and that's what he projects to at the college level. But he's got a special kind of nasty man. I love him. And also, I mean Baker. I mean, let's be honest. He's he's fantastic. Uh, and start, start, much like the Christian Clark comment, what he said about Brandon Baker. What did he say? Kelvin Banks. Kelvin Banks. And it's like, whoa, you mean the guy's going to be a first-round draft pick and you're just going to throw that out there? Got started as a true freshman? Started every game as a true freshman? Um, so that is high praise. We know Christian Jones is leaving, so I, I love that pick. He's got long arms, something you can't teach. You were talking about this yesterday, Bobby. It seems like length, whether it be defensive or offensive, they're starting to get – they want more length. Look at the wide receiving quarter, wide receiving crews they're bringing in. These old linemen, look at the DBs. They want length. They want wingspan. Uh, you've talked about that. So I like the old line they're bringing in. And uh, the young man out of Atascacita, Nate Kibble. Oh, yeah, Kibble? Nate, yeah, Nate Kibble I was going to be the one that you didn't mention. And yeah. he was a finalist for the Houston Touchdown Club Offensive Player of the Year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't – that's that's kind of, I guess, the, and I love – I think he's great too. But of all the O-line prospects they're bringing in, he's probably the third – my third favorite because I just – I love Cruz's game and I, I'm a big fan of watching uh, film on Brandon Baker. I mean, it goes without saying. So, I think the offensive line class 
is a really impressive one. And it, they are they're already loaded there. I mean, that is a position of strength. They got depth there. They're still young there, high end upside at O-line. I mean, right now, that's not actually even a, a need. I mean, that's not immediate or long term, but they're still bringing in talent on that O-line because they understand, just like you said, Bobby, when they reinvented the Texas program, they started there. And I think they don't want to lose that advantage. Matter of fact, they want to enhance it because they know it won't be as big of an advantage when you head to the SEC. That's true. I mean, that's true no matter what, because you're going to be playing against NFL defensive linemen every time. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, it's not so much whether or not your, off your offensive line in the SEC could be absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they could still get beat. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so you better be good. Or else you're going to get smothered, right? right. I mean, that's, that's the difference. All right, uh, wide receiver, another another group that I think deserves some mention as well. Uh, that'll that'll do it though. Uh, top two groups in our opinions: defensive backs and defensive line. Uh, the Longhorns address needs, and that's probably for me. Uh, you know, you could have good recruiting groups, but if there's no cohesiveness or there's no rhyme or reason to it, and they're just yeah. random selections of players, and there's no uh, you know, there's no cohesiveness. Yep. Um, I feel like this this group is exactly what the doctor ordered. And uh, uh, hats off to, to Coach yeah. Sarkeesian in, in the chat. A collection of talent as opposed to constructing a team. And I think they're the latter right now and not just collecting talent. Okay. All right. That's Rod Babers. I'm Bobby Burton. This has been On Texas Football. Hope you guys have happy holidays. We'll be back for more. Take care. Hook them. Hook them.